Right, okay, we're going to be reading Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossus, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that comes to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in its truth. You leaned it from Epaphras, our, Delo, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ in our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So we are, we are going to start a new series today, looking at Paul's letter to the Colossians. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Christians who lived in the town called Colossae. Uh, Colossae was in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And once there was, was a time when Colossae was a very prominent place in the world, but by the time Paul wrote this letter to the Christians living there, it had really been overshadowed, overshadowed by the nearby cities of Laodicea and Hierapolis. Now today the city's gone, uh, uh, Colossae. Its remains are still buried. Maybe one day they'll be excavated. Uh, Paul probably wrote this letter while he himself was a prisoner in Rome. So he was waiting to appear before Caesar. And, and he wrote this letter because he was concerned that the Colossian Christians must keep their focus on Jesus Christ. And so he emphasizes in this letter in some incredible ways that Jesus Christ is everything. And he's bigger than even our biggest imaginations. If I could sum up the point, the main point at the heart of this whole letter, it's found really in in a couple of verses in the middle of chapter two, right at the heart of the letter, Paul says this, in Christ, all the fullness of God dwells. And then he says, and you have fullness in Christ. In other words, everything of God is found in Jesus and you therefore have everything if you have him. He'd, he'd, he'll go on as we'll see over the weeks to tell them that you know they don't need some extra hidden knowledge or something or some super spiritual you know experience of angels or whatever or they don't need to perform extra religious rules he'll tell them and, and regulations on top of that he says all they need is to keep focused on jesus because their lives are hidden in him now so that's the big message of colossians if you've got jesus you've got everything you'll ever need and don't let anyone tell you otherwise, or tell you you're lacking something, or tell you you've not done enough. In Christ is the fullness of God, and you have that fullness in Jesus. But we're going to see, I'm not going to, that's not the whole series. Uh, we will see how he fills that out in various ways. Now, as Christians, we believe there is good news for the world, and we believe this good news is found in who God is. Uh, despite all that we see around us in, in the world that we find disappointing, sad, frustrating or wrong, we believe there is also another reality at work in the world, 
And Paul begins with that, with what we call the good news, the gospel. But he describes it in these few verses at the beginning in a very particular way. What he does is he borrows language from Genesis 1, and he describes the gospel now as a new creation that God is kind of planting in the world so that it's cropping up everywhere. So Paul remembers Genesis and the first creation story, but he sees God today as the same creator, uh, planting that new creation now, just like God did at the beginning. And what God is doing now, in other words, it means this, what God is doing now in our world today is as momentous as the creation of the universe. Do I believe that? We should believe it. Paul believes it. He says, in, so in verses 5 and 6, he says that just as God's word spoke at the beginning of creation, Paul says God's word now speaks again, and it speaks now in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says that just as God's words filled the whole world with life at the beginning, Paul now says God's new word of, of Jesus is bringing new life all over the world now. And he says that just as God's spirit kind of hovered over the empty void at the beginning to bring about that new creation, that first creation, now Paul says the spirit of God is again at work in Colossae, bringing about new life. And the clearest link with Genesis 1 is, is in verse 6, where he says, just as God's, I don't know if you remember, in Genesis 1, God's first blessing to the first creation was be fruitful and multiply. And now Paul uses those same terms in verse 6, and he says that God's gospel, God's good news of Jesus, is now being fruitful and multiplying throughout the world today. That's, that's a deliberate echo of Genesis 1. God's blessing to mankind was be fruitful and increase. But Paul says that's now taking place in a new way as the good news of Jesus changes people's lives all over the world. So just as there was a day when God first spoke things into being, Paul says in verse 6, there is now a new day when we hear God's voice again. And it's all, all about God's grace, and it's being spoken to us as a new creation. So for Paul, no matter what else was going on, there was always hope because of Jesus Christ. Because through Jesus, God is doing a new creation in the world. Like, imagine it like he's planting new trees. He's give, birthing new life and creating a new story. Paul thanks God that he could see that new creation happening in Colossae. I'm going to put this down because I'm just I'm not drinking anyway. I'm just holding it. Uh, Paul says he could see that new creation happening in, in the town of Colossae. How could he see it? Because in verses three and four, he said he had heard about three things, their faith, their love, and their hope. More specifically, their faith in Jesus Christ, their love for the saints, each other, which spring from, he says, the hope that's kept for them in heaven. Faith, love, and hope. Those three are mentioned together in the New Testament quite often. They are kind of like the three central characteristics of what it means to be a Christian. Faith love and hope. It is to be people of faith in Christ. It is to love one another. It is to have hope in God. And by the way, that was sufficient for Paul to say that he knew God was working among them. It's not that complicated, really. 
Paul says he knew God was bringing new creation to the town of Colossae because he heard about those three things, faith, love, and hope. And these things, things seem to define the Christian life in the New Testament. And in the context of these, this passage here, they are the fruit of God's new creation in our lives and in our world. So faith in Jesus, first of all. Faith, which also means faithfulness, is about connection and commitment. Faith, I think, is, is kind of an orientation of life and thinking. Faith in Jesus means we have heard about Jesus and we have decided that he now defines everything for us. We've committed our lives to following Jesus. We believe that Jesus has shown us uh, uh, how things are. What he has shown us and done for us is, is tells us who we are ourselves, who God is, um, how things are for us and how things will be for us. We believe that what Jesus has done and said is that truth for our lives now. That's faith. Jesus, it means that Jesus defines us and Jesus shapes who we are. So that we've, we've, I love the pic, Paul uses this picture a lot about being in Christ. It's like faith means we've kind of put our lives into the life of Jesus, our story into his story, our yesterday, today, and tomorrow, we've put them into his yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So that whatever's true of Jesus, becomes true of us. In chapter three, Paul will make a big deal of this. Um, and he'll say this, our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. You know, who are you? Where are you as a human being? Paul would say to you as a Christian, your life actually is hidden with Christ. It, you're, it's like you're wrapped completely in Jesus. It doesn't matter what anyone else says about you. That's where you are. That's what it means for us, our faith to put us in Christ. The end of verse six, tells us about one of the things Jesus has helped us understand. Paul says we've come to understand God's grace. So God wants you and me to understand something about him. And Jesus shows us it most clearly. God wants you to know that he's full of grace towards you. Grace means to give freely, without condition. God is not against you, in other words. He doesn't hate you. God loves you and wants to bless you and to restore you. And that's what Jesus has shown us in his life. That's what he's proved to us beyond any doubt at the cross. He came to the world, God himself in flesh. Did he kill us? Did he hate us? Did he push us away? No, he walked with us. He came alongside even those who society said were the worst of people. Jesus spoke to us about light and life and forgiveness and salvation and the love of God. And then he died for us on a cross. We threw all our worst at Jesus and he died for us there. And when he rose, he didn't say, right, that's it, I'm done with you lot. He said, my peace I now give you. Now go and share that good news with the whole world. So faith in Jesus is believing that, what Jesus has shown us in everything he's done. It's believing that the grace of God that we see in Jesus is true and, and, and we decide to live by that now. God is gracious. The cross proves it. And that, I think, is the best thing we can ever know. It's enough to cover all your sin. It's enough to bring you to God. It's enough to make you a new person. 
it's even enough to change the world as that news spreads to others. Paul then speaks of one of the ways it changes us. He, he speaks of their love for the saints, so there's faith in Jesus, and then love for all the saints. When God works his new creation, a new kind of community emerges. Uh, so instead of a human community like we often see, uh, defined by fears, you know, this is about how we interact, how we, how we do our relationships, you know, how, does, how do human beings exist together? Well, what we often see, sadly, in the world is that our community becomes defined by our fears or by our greed or perhaps our selfishness. Maybe when it gets really bad, our hatreds, our fallings out. But God's new community, which is part of this new creation, and we call this community the church, uh, is one that's defined by love. It's defined by the same benevolence and care and grace that God has already shown us. So when Paul heard and saw that that was how the church in Colossae was, you know, it was shaped by their love for each other, he knew that God was working there. There was a new creation happening in that first century town and there is, new there, is, there is new creation happening in the 21st century here in this world today as well. It's happening in the villages of Fivehead and Curry Rival and Langport and Ilminster around here where God is changing us and changing others in such a way that we create a new kind of community that is not based on our fears or our differences, but our love for one another. The Apostles' Creed is one of the oldest descriptions of what Christians believe. And at one point it says, I believe in the church, the communion of saints. You know, it, it's easy to see bad versions of human community around us, isn't it? And you see it throughout history. And sometimes we can see it, you know, maybe in the workplace, maybe on the news in the big scale wars, and we feel a bit disheartened. Maybe sometimes we look at human community and the way humans relate and we feel a little bit cynical. But we mustn't be disheartened because despite all, even the complications in church life, of course, the church I believe is still a place like no other where wounds are healed, where actually when we fall out, divisions are healed and reconciled in the church, where sins are forgiven, where love ultimately defines who we are. So I believe in the church because I believe the church in the world today is a sign of God's new creation happening. It's a new kind of community where Jesus, Jesus gave us one command and it was this, a new command I give you, he said, love one another, just as I have loved you. Jesus died for us, didn't he? And that's how he's loved us. And we ought to love one another in that same way. And it's a different, it's not just loving those you find attractive or those who you like or those who like us, not just loving those we consider worth loving because they'll give us some, something back. Christ-like love is to love, the, love in the selfless way of the cross, to love the unlovely, to love without any reason or return, to love even our enemies, Jesus said. That's how God loves. There was a story um, told of a soldier 
during uh, one of the one of the world wars who was watching a nurse clean and dress like some horrible gangrenous wounds of, of some of the soldiers who'd been injured in battle and apparently he said to the nurse he said i wouldn't do that for a million dollars and the nurse replied neither would i that's the kind of love we're talking about a love that's not based on what you get back what you get out of it but simply on giving a love that simply loves the other person because they're a human being and they're real and they therefore matter and that is the Christ, the love that christ has shown us in his life his death and resurrection now finally paul says all of this is connected to something else and that's hope he says it's a hope that's stored up or kept safe in heaven for us what that means is it's kept safe with god um, the word heaven in the bible is kind of an interchangeable word with the word god so it heaven means the presence of of god so for example in in the gospels kingdom of heaven and kingdom of god are just interchangeable they mean the same thing so heaven is not just a place you go after you die and when paul says here that our hope is stored up in heaven he doesn't mean our hope is just about you know that we'll get some other place one day when we die what he means when he says your hopes kept for you in heaven he means the hope that you have now it no one can take it away because it's with god it's a hope that's resting in him in who he is it's out of reach of any change it can't fail it can't be taken away because your hope is in god no one can challenge god and nothing can change and therefore take away our hope now our hope as christians entails many things yes of course it includes what happens after we die of course it does but our hope is more than just that our hope is everything that we know about god and who he is and what he's doing and will do and that hope paul says is stored up in god no one can change it now sometimes just just to speak for myself now I've had times in my life where I've really struggled and I've struggled with my faith. I struggled to love. And sometimes it's been hope actually that for me personally has kept me going. Sometimes I've had times where I've looked around me or when I've been going through diff really bad difficulties or I've watched the news and there's just war and there's just famine and I'm struggling and, I, and I've kind of, you know, you start to think, is this really it? Are we stuck in some sort of endless cycle? Am I getting anywhere, really? But I, I, at those points, for me personally, you may be different, but for me, it, it's, it's hope that has kept me going. It's this belief that actually God is Lord, and, and although things can feel pretty rubbish right now, for example, you might think, it will be okay. It, you've got to trust god with that paul wrote this letter at a time when the roman empire in its violence was in full swing when there was war and tyranny there were the beginnings of persecution against christians there were struggles there were fears christians were a little people when paul wrote this in a big scary world and a violent world paul himself we know from the book of acts you know he's in prison he'd been beaten He'd been arrested he was now waiting to stand trial and possibly lose his life as he was on trial before caesar but how did paul see the world as he wrote a letter 
he saw in the world a, another story going on, another reality at work, because he saw God and the new creation that God is planting, and he saw it bearing fruit, he saw it changing lives all over the world. And still today, you know, the world churns and wars and weeps, and we hurt and we struggle some days, but amidst all of it, there is a new creation. That's our belief, that's our hope. There is new life. There is joy, there is forgiveness of sins, there is hope, there is love, because there is God. And God is our good news. There is good in this world. God does and is doing things, new things. And so my hope means I still believe that. God is taking us towards a good future. Even when I'm full of doubts and uncertainties and disappointments, I believe that God is taking us somewhere good and that his new creation is the reality that's going to outlast all other things. I believe that not because I know all the answers or know exactly how things are going to turn out, not because I always feel 100% sure about everything, but because I trust that God is the God who is revealed to us in Jesus. I think that's so important. You know, what, what is it about being a Christian? There's lots of religions in the world that talk about God. What is it distinctly that we believe? It's we believe as Christians that God is actually the God who's been revealed to us in Jesus. And that is my hope. And that's what keeps me going when I can't understand all the other stuff and I don't have the answers, that God is actually the one revealed to me in Jesus. And that's our story. That's where Paul begins this letter. That's your life and mine if we're Christians. This is how we can now view the world and one another and ourselves because we believe God is good news. Chapter 3, verse 1. And this is, remember, this is the point, the overarching point of the letter. If that's true, just, just keep your minds on Christ above anything else. Keep thinking and living with Jesus at the forefront of your life. I love what Paul goes on to say in chapter 3, verse 1. He says it like this. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 